0: in the name of the father and the son the holy spirit one god amen throughout this lent god willing we will study the book of daniel and the book of daniel is a very special book in the old testament and it's actually referenced many times in the new testament in so many different books and the book of daniel basically talks about young people from israel taken from from jerusalem in the days of nabikad king of babylon And regardless of where they are, the oppression, the exile, they lived a pure life, and God opened their eyes to see vision, and they allowed us to see God's work in our life, in the life of Israel. Just before I start, I'm gonna take a few minutes just to go through the history really quickly of the Old Testament so we can know where we are. So you guys know after God created Adam and Eve. People lived for some time. Then they sinned during the time of Noah. God brought the flood. After Noah, we started almost a new humanity. And that lasted for some time. People sinned again. After people sinned, God spoke to a family, Abraham. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob. And then Jacob had 12 children. Later on, we call them the 12 tribes, each person got married and formed multiple uh, and multiple children and and what happened was at that time they moved from palestine to egypt because there was famine they stayed in egypt for 400 years initially they were treated well because joseph was one of the uh, one of the children of uh, jacob and he was in egypt and he, as you guys know he had got a very high position and later on they were they started treating them as a slaves after 400 years after 400 years in egypt they came out led by moses into the desert for 40 uh, years in the desert and moses was leading them and god was raining food for them and after moses we go to a period where we call it judges so moses after moses you had joshua a period of judges a lot of famous judges like deborah samson And it ended with samuel and the judge as we said before the judge is somebody who just basically fulfills the law of god after the period of judges people said you know what we don't want any more judges we want kings kings mean somebody would rule over them and this was a very heretical thing to ask for because god was the king of israel and god even told samuel they rejected me they did not reject you so God gave them a king, and we only have three kings in the history of Israel when they were a united kingdom. We had Saul, David, Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom is split, and after Solomon, we no longer talk of one kingdom. We talk of two different kingdoms: kingdom in the north called Israel and its capital Samaria, and all the kings in the kingdom of the north were evil. Kingdom of the south, it's called Judah and the kings in Judah, some of them good, some of them bad, and the capital of Judah was Jerusalem. It's important for us to keep what I'm telling you in mind because it's very relevant to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel has a lot of history and has a lot of visions about what's gonna happen in history, so it's important to keep that in mind. So now we talked about how Israel started from a family to 12 tribes, 12 tribes to judges, judges to kingdom kingdom to two different kingdoms now after two different kingdoms god have seen their evil the people of israel did not follow the commandments of god so god first allowed the northern kingdom the evil kingdom to to go into exile okay and later on he allowed the southern kingdom to go into exile Malish, just bear with me for a little bit more because it's important to keep those things in mind there are four kingdoms that came back to back once what does it mean people in exile it means that somebody came and took over your nation took over your country and took the good people and took them to their own country so the first people that came were the assyrians and they took over the northern kingdom after them there are the babylonians they took over the northern and the southern kingdom after them, the Persian and the Medes. Okay, there are just they're two, two kingdoms that came at once. And then after them, Alexander the Great, the Greek. And then the fifth one is the Roman. That's of the time of Jesus. So now we covered basically from the time of Adam until the time of Jesus in terms of an overall political picture of what's happening. Okay? Now, why is all this important? Because where is the book of Daniel falls into all of this? The book of Daniel falls after you had the kingdom divided. And the northern kingdom was exiled. And now Daniel was in the southern kingdom. And then he was during the time when the southern kingdom is being exiled. Being invaded by the Babylonian. Okay, hopefully you guys can follow. And if you have questions, we can talk about it later. But what's the message in the book of Daniel? God have sent the people of Israel many warnings through Isaiah, through Micah, through Jeremiah. They did not listen. If You guys look in 2 Chronicles 36, 13, what does it say? It said, they mocked God's messenger, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. So God continued to give them a lot of warnings, a lot of prophets. What did they do to the prophets? They killed some, they made fun of some. For God said, you know what? I, uh, I have been patient with you for so long, but it seems that you, you abuse my patience. And it seems that my patience is not helping you to repentance. So I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna be tough on you. In sometime a father or a mother will be tough on us so we can change our ways. We can change our ways. It's scary when the people around you, they do not look to try to correct you, okay? Now, remember I was telling you before, when God allows his own nation to be destroyed, his own temple to be destroyed, it means that every other nation, instead of seeing the God of Israel in control, they say, you know what, the God of Israel is weak. The God of Israel is is not strong. But we will see in the book of Daniel that our Lord has used few people to reveal himself to the greatest nation at the time. Even when we fail to fulfill the purpose of God for us, there are other people who will fulfill it on our behalf. I remember kid i read something recently that i liked one of the saints kid she said something beautiful she said if you do not use the grace of god it will leave you and go to another person if you do not open your hands to the grace of god it will leave you and will go to another person Today, as we go, as we we introduce the book of Daniel, I just want you to bear with me because there's a lot of information I wanna give you because it would help us to understand the book of Daniel. Okay, it would help us to understand the book of Daniel. So I just give you a little bit of kind of the information. Now we're gonna talk about who wrote the book of Daniel and what date was was written. Who wrote it and what date was written. Now the book of Daniel, actually to know the author, we have a little bit of a problem. The book of Daniel is written in two different languages. If you look at the book of Daniel, as you have it in the New King James Version, it's almost 14 chapters, seven of them are stories, seven of them are prophecies. That's basically how the book of Daniel is. The first seven are stories, the second seven are prophecies. Now the problem is is that chapter one and from chapter eight to chapter 14 are written in Hebrew and from two to seven are written in Aramaic. Why is this a problem? Because when somebody's trying to determine who wrote the book, if you have a book that have two languages, you're gonna assume that eh, that this book is written by two authors, okay? But so I wanna explain to you why this is not the case. And I think it's important for us to know these things as we study the book. First of all, if you look at the book of Daniel, the first chapter and the last seven chapters, they are very relevant to the people of Israel. So the author who wrote it definitely meant for the chapters in the middle to be known to the people at Babylon. Aramaic was a language that's mixed of multiple languages. So people in Babylon could understand it. So he meant for from chapter two, to chapter seven, for something, a message for the people of Babylon to know from chapter one and the other last seven chapters are mainly for the Hebrews. Okay? When you look at Daniel in chapter eight, you will see that he starts the book by saying, I, Daniel, have seen so and so and so. So a lot of people say, well, Daniel most likely have written the last eight chapters. Because in the first few chapters, he speaks in the third person. I'm sorry, I'm I'm taking a little bit of time on this, but I think it's important because when you go to school, they'll talk about textual criticism and tell you who was the author. I just want you to understand how things go. Now, it's important for us to understand, if somebody's writing in the third person, that does not mean they're not the author. It's actually even in our culture, when we do something great, sometime when you start saying, I, 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 you kind of feel, you know, sense of pride. So mainly you try to, uh, to speak, and a third person other people there is some a group of people who did this or somebody did this You wouldn't mention your name and this was common practice at this time for example if you look for example at a simple thing like the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments you will see for example in, chap- in, verse, se- in verse two it says I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt first person when you look at verse seven it says what the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misses use his name So part of the Ten Commandments are written first person, part are written what? In third person. There's even uh, uh, the Caesar of Gallic Wars, it's one of the ancient ancient writing. It's also written the same way. So when we look at Daniel, there are certain things he's writing in the third person. And when he talks about the visions and the prophecies, he's affirming that these were true visions and prophecies. Okay? Is that okay? Are you guys following so far? wanna make sure I didn't lose you, okay? So we talked about just kind of the timeline of the Old Testament. We talked about that Daniel is the one who wrote it even though there are two different languages. There are also some, ch- uh, uh, some chapters where he uses first person, some chapters he uses third person. And now I just kind of wanna go a little bit through the timeline one more time just to give you a little bit of concrete dates. So if you're writing, I would recommend you to write. So roughly Moses, who was leading the people of Israel from uh, the desert, uh, from Egypt to the desert was about 1,500 before Christ. The period of judges was about from 1,400 to 1,000. The United Kingdom, which is David, Solomon, and Saul, was 1,000 before Christ. This is where the temple. 922, the kingdom was divided between the north and the south, as I was telling you, okay? 722, the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrian. Now, this is about the new date that most of us are not aware of. 620 is the date, is the year that Daniel was born. 612 was the fall of the Assyrian. Okay? And 605, Nebuchadnezzar deported Daniel to uh, Babylon. 597, Jerusalem is taken by Nebuchadnezzar. So, we'll go through this in more details. But when Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem, he took it it over in three stages. It was not in in one stage. And we'll see how this happens. And then 587, the fall of the southern kingdom. And then uh, 539, the fall of Babylon. And then from 539 to 530 is the uh, Cyrus. And then from 535, Daniel continued to serve in the public office. And then when you start from uh, 336 to 331, it was Darius. And then 334, the conquest of the Alexander Macedonians. And then 168 is the rise of Rome. That kind of gives you a rough idea of how like the timeline of the old testament looks like okay and by the way i want you guys to know something when you look at the old testament there's nothing really new it is a same story happening over and over again people are sinning god is giving them warning they don't they don't learn he allows some sort of hardship to to happen to them so they may repent as he gives them warning, he doesn't only talk to them, but he also talks to us about all the future events that will happen for our own salvation, the cross, and also the second coming. That's basically what happens, okay? Are you guys following or did I lose you? You guys are following? Okay. Now, just to confuse you a little bit more, if it's okay. I wanna talk about just two, 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 two points that a lot of people use against the book of Daniel to say the book of Daniel is not accurate. I'm sorry to talk a lot about these things, but I think it's important for you guys as servants to note. So one of the things that a lot of people attack the book of Daniel, they say, well, the book of Daniel is not accurate because they said there's a wrong date for Nabuchid invasion. What do I mean by this? If you open Daniel one, the very first verse, it says what? It says, it states that Nabuchad Nazar's first invasion of, Sh- of Judah and seas of Jerusalem took place in the third year of the reign of Jehu, Jehoiakim, who was a king of Judah. If you open Jeremiah 46.2, it says the dates were the first year Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, uh, It was the fourth year of Jehoiakim. So Daniel said it's the third year. Jeremiah said it's the fourth year. So some people say, look, there's inconsistency with the dates. We have to remember in the Old Testament, just a brief history, the calendar was based on the king who reigned. So they tell you the first year of President Biden of the United States. That's kind of the way it works. Judah followed a different system. Babylon followed this different system. Judah usually would uh, count the, kings, the king in the year he was chosen. Okay. Babylon would pick the next year when he's fully in authority. So there's two different calendars. So Jeremiah is writing in Jerusalem Daniel is writing in Babylon. That's why there's a little bit of gap over the two years, okay? Um, there's one thing that's extremely important for us, if, you, if, you, if, I, if, you, and if you're not paying attention, you have to pay attention to this. The book of Daniel that you have in your Bible, the New King James Bible, this is not the full book of Daniel that we as a church believe in. Okay, the, the New King James uh, Bible uses what we call the Masuronic test, t- uh, text. This is a Jewish text that a lot of the, uh, the Protestants use to translate the Bible. We use the Septuagint. So in the Septuagint, you will see what we call the Second Chronicles books, and one of them is the completion of Daniel. And one of the part of the completion of Daniel is a very famous story of Susanna, which you will read in Bright Saturday. Okay, God's following that I lose you. So when you open the book of Daniel in your Bible in the Old Testament, you're reading the Masonic test. You're not reading the Septuagint. So we're missing the story of Susanna, and we're missing uh, one of the prayers of the Old Testament, the, pra- the prayer of Ezra. And there's few small parts are missing. We call this the completion of Daniel that is missing, and we, it's important for us because we read it in in the Bright Saturday. So keep that in mind as, you, as you're writing. Just, I'm sorry if I seem over the pl- all over the place, but I just want you guys to follow this. The church uses the Septuagint, and until the early Christian era, in the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, they were still using the Septuagint. And one of the most famous scholars of the first century, his name is Josephus. And what did he say? I'm gonna read a quote for you. He said, we do not possess myriads of inconsistent books conflicting with each other. Our books, those which are justly accredited, are but two and 20 and contain record of all times. So he said, the books in the Old Testament are about 22 books. And then later on, he actually explains them. Ashan you guys don't confuse. He said, uh, for 13, uh, uh, when he says those books, he said five books of Moses, 13 books of prophets and the remaining four books embrace hymns to God, counsels for men, and conduct of life. He groups a lot of books together. So Josephus from the first century, he actually uses the Septuagint. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when he's refer- referencing in the New Testament, he uses the Septuagint. So the Masoretic test was developed later but obviously because of the printing limitation that we had we used the bible that we have in our hands but we're missing this part the book of daniel was quoted almost 26 times in the new testament and i want you guys to pay attention to what i'm going to tell you the book of daniel is the main reason why our lord jesus christ used the title the son of man it's a theological title. He used it in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, in Revelation. And a lot of time, by the way, some of people who are not Christian, they always accuse us why saying, oh Lord, Jesus used to use that expression, son of man, not son of God. He used son of God very little. Why does he use the son of man all the time? Because at the time of Jesus, emperors were called son of God. But the son of man was an extremely unique expression that referenced to the Messiah, and Daniel used it in 7.13. And that's why our Lord used the word son of man to express himself, and we want to go through this prophecy, we'll see why this this is unique. We'll see why this is unique. Our Lord Jesus Christ, referenced the book of daniel multiple times and by the way he didn't only reference he witnessed that daniel was the one who wrote it he said the ab- the desolation of abomination that daniel spoke about so jesus himself spoke about how daniel was the one who wrote the book uh, of daniel okay are you guys following so far yes i'm sorry today is a lot of information but i think they're valuable they help us a lot Okay, we'll talk about two more problems in the book of Daniel, and then hopefully we can uh, go on to uh, the end of introduction. A lot of people say, you guys, if I, we're gonna go through this story in more details, but there's a story in Daniel 4, where Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy, and he almost li- lives like a beast. And a lot of scholars, a lot of people say that this story is fake, is not true, does not make sense. It doesn't really, we don't believe in it, okay? So let me give you just some things to keep in mind. The Babylonian records records of any go, records no governmental activity at all on Nebuchadnezzar between the year of 582 to 575. So there's a seven-year period where the, there is a gap in the records where there is no activity of the government in Babylon. That's not usual. They actually found a prayer... Of Nebudoniaz, he was the son of Nebuchadnezzar uh, in the, in the, in Qumran. I'm, I'm, it, let me just step back. In Q- Qumran is a is a cage where they found a lot of a lot of old manuscripts recently, and they found actually a special prayer where it can, talks about a, a king who was grievously sick, in the Chaldeans or Babylonians, and, and and a Jewish exorcist casted out demons from him. So there is some evidence that. There's traces for this story. Um, let me mention one more problem so I don't I don't lose you guys and then we'll go on. There's another story in the book of Daniel where people criticize is the story of King Belshazzar, who had a who had a, a party. over over the palace and he started using the vessels of the of the of the temple and people are saying look Belshazzar was not an official was not an emperor was not a king it was not in the record that he was an emperor okay that's what happened was the son of Nebuchadnezzar was camping in Arabia and he's the official the official heir to the crown and then Belshazzar was actually the one who's almost in all practical purpose running the kingdom when he was in Babylon and there are some records that mentions his name, but he's not on the paper as an emperor, as a king. I'm sorry that I took some time to explain these things, but I think it's extremely important for us. We as a church consider the book of Daniel among the prophets. We as a church consider the book of Daniel among the prophets. Remember, the book of Old Testament are are divided into four things. The Pentateuch, which is the books of Moses, prophets, history books, wisdom books, okay? We as a church, we put Daniel, because Daniel is a complicated book. Half of it prophecy, half of it is history. So it's the only book that there's a lot of debate about it. So we as a church put it in the prophets. The, the Hebrew canon put it in the writings, okay, which is the Mesopotamian test. Now, the last thing I want to talk about before we start today, our, um, uh, our the, the first chapter. Just kind of, if you think about what is the outline of the book of Daniel. Like, what is the book of Daniel is all about? And you will see that the book of Daniel is all about one theme. It's about God's reign. God is in control. God is working. Even when everything seems to fail, God is working. God reigns. with his his faithful servants. That's the first chapter. God reigns in subduing kingdom. Second chapter. God reigns in trials. God reigns to humble emperors. God reigns to removing evil kings. God reigns over wild beasts. God reigns over cruel kingdom. God reigns, reigns. Every chapter is about God reigning. God is in control. God is in power. And it's actually extremely beautiful because from outside it looks like the church is falling. Israel is apart. The people, there is no offering in the temple. The temple is brought to the ground. God cannot reveal himself through Israel anymore. But somehow in every chapter God is reigning. God is in control. And sometimes it's nice in our life to take a step back and see how God rules over our life. And maybe it's a good way to pray this Lent, to ask God to rule over us. I no longer want to have my own feelings. I want you to give me the feelings, to give me the thoughts. When we Look at, uh, at the book of Daniel. We'll see, obviously, that the book of Daniel, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is mainly divided into the two parts we talked about. Now we'll start together from Daniel chapter 1. And, and Daniel chapter 1, just to remind you, it's written in Hebrew. It's written in Hebrew. And it's considered to be the introduction to the whole book because he will summarize certain things and then later on he will break it down okay so we'll go through the first couple of verses today and we'll continue next week in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and god amen he says in the third reign in the third year of the reign of jehoiakim king of judah so guys remember we said two kingdoms the northern kingdom is already destroyed by assyria and now we only have left the southern kingdom which is the kingdom of judah and there's a king there. His name is Jehoiakim. And in that year, the third year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And as I was telling you earlier, Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem in three different stages. Six o five, he actually uh, it was uh, he came and took over, took over uh, the young men Daniel and s- some of the three young men. And he also took over, it took uh, Ezekiel with him, Ezekiel the prophet. So Ezekiel was in Babylon, but he was not in the capital. Daniel, so Ezekiel, Daniel and Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah were both, were three of them at the same time. Jeremiah was in Jerusalem, looking and weeping over what's the remaining that's left. Ezekiel was in a random place in Babylon. And then you have uh, 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 Daniel was in the capital, treated uh, nicely. 597 was the second invasion, you'll see it in 2nd King 24. And then 587 when he came and he destroyed Jerusalem. What happened? Usually when Nebuchadnezzar comes and takes some people over to Babylon, instead of the king of Judah kind of saying, you know what, okay, we're going to follow Babylon, we're going to do whatever it is, they start causing rebellion. When they rebel, he brings another army, does more damage. The third time, he brought it down to the ground. Jehoiakim was the 18th king of Judah after the split, and he was not a good king. Actually, the time he was the time of Jeremiah. and Jeremiah came and showed him the word of God. He took it and he tore it; he ripped it apart. So he's not a good king. Okay, look at verse two. It says, a, "And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hands, with, into, the, into his hands, with some of the articles of the house of God." which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the oracles into the treasure of the house of God. So here we see that God himself allowed this to happen. This big tribulation in your life, God allowed it to happen. By the way, this is important. If I see the difficult people in my life as from God, to purify me to change me it will make a huge difference in my life joachim started his reign by the way about 608 and he was basically appointed by the king of egypt his name is nico he appointed him and he actually took him and had him replace his brother. If you think about it, let me just back up a little bit. Think about it, the old nations were just basically a struggle of big empires. So Egypt was in control. Later on, Assyria became in control. Later on, Babylon became in control. That's basically how it worked. So Joachim was the last person that was in control uh, at this time, and he was following Egypt, but then Nebuchadnezzar came, took over Egypt, and took over took over this guy, okay? I want you guys to think about this. When Nebuchadnezzar came to besiege Jerusalem, where was Daniel? Already in Babylon. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Daniel was exiled, him and the three young men. And in, in the exile, he's probably praying to God. God, please help Jerusalem. God, please help us to be safe from the Babylonian. Then what's the next news he hears? Nebuchadnezzar went over. He caused more destruction. He caused more damage. He probably was more, you can think about it, he probably was fighting with God. All what he hears are bad news. Not only that. At that time daniel has not seen the temple for about three years can you imagine your life without a church for three years how would you feel and we as christian at least believe that we can to pray to god everywhere a jewish person he believed that he must pray in the temple So not only bad news are coming but also he hears that the temple is also gonna get destroyed. So I might not see a church again. I'm sure he was praying and I'm sure it seems that God did not, as it seemed to him, God did not hear his prayer. Sometime when we look at the, at, the, at the Bible, we forget all the unanswered prayers of a lot of holy people. They were answered, but in God's way. They were answered, but in God's way, in God's way. And obviously, a lot of them knew that Jeremiah already prophesied that the exile will take about 70 years. The exile will take about 70 years. I want you guys to think about this for one second. Almost every single disaster that happened in the Old Testament, people prophesied about it many years before it happens. And a lot of things that sometimes happens in our life, God continues to send us messages. Like in the life of um, Isaiah 39, there was a king in Judah, his name is Hezekiah. Hezekiah, God saved him from the Assyrian king, St. and you guys know the story, when an angel came and killed 185,000. And then there's a small tribe from Babylon came. At that time, Babylon was very weak. Assyria was very strong. And they came to his, to his kingdom to congratulate him that he lived longer. What happened? He opened all his treasures, opened everything in the kingdom to show off. And at that time, Isaiah came to him, the prophet, and told him, Thir- Isaiah 39.5, then Isaiah said to his uh, Zechariah, hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come, the time will come when everything in your palace and all your predecessors have stored up till this day will be carried off to the Babylon, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, Will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the in the palace of the king of Babylon hundred years before the event happened, and God sends exactly if, by the way the book of Daniel you will see this the smallest detail God is sending telling him, all your positions will be gone, your own people will be serving and by the way this is in, like not even unthought of. It's almost me telling you, for example, that how, uh, I don't know, uh, Haiti will come over and take over the U.S. You'll be like, what are you talking about? This is exactly what happened. There's always a, reason, there's always a message that God sends. As, as, there's always warning that God sends as He trying to interfere in people's life. That's one of the things that I want us to hear to think about is that as we move on with the book, we need to learn how to trust in the goodness of God. Because it seems from the very first chapter, first first verse, it doesn't look good. This is a terrible thing. God delivered the king of Judah to Babylon, And you might ask multiple questions. How are people gonna worship God? We'll see what's gonna happen. Verse three, then the king instructed Ashphenez, the master of his eunuchs who bring some, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendant and some of the nobles. This was something common in the Old Testament where they adopt an, an enlightened policy, because they say, you know what? Let us bring the brightest people from the countries we take over to our nations, okay? Which means that Daniel and the three young men were most likely from a royal family related to a king in Judah. They were nobility or they were from the tribe of Judah. So they were important people that they brought over to Babylon. So think of it this way. When the US, for example, sends grants people to, to come international students to come from china from egypt from africa from everywhere it's an exciting opportunity and why do they do it for five reasons number for four reasons number one to discourage people from rebellion if you take the smartest people and bring them to your own country you're not going to have the brain power to cause rebellion in the country you're in okay also To kind of brainwash them to become Babylonian. You know, when you bring somebody from uh, maybe a modest culture to the American culture and to make them go study at Harvard, a part of them will be affected by the culture. To make them be almost brainwashed by the culture. Third, to add manpower to the palace. To add manpower to the palace. And obviously, they will, because of their talents and and their abilities, they will be people who become pioneers and innovative in the kingdom okay so this was almost a training program the training pro- program is about three years ashvanes was uh, by the way the word ashvanes means guest friend it's a persian name and he was watching the well-being of the people of israel right so this training program for the uh, for the three young men we're going to see it next week it's a very intense program that will test their faith, that will test their obedience to God, that will test how courageous they are in fulfilling God, and fulfilling the promises of God. You know how old Daniel, roughly, when he was brought to, Israel, to the king of Babylon? 15 years old. know actually we're starting the fast tomorrow so I'm just gonna get a point to a couple of things at 15 years old he learned to trust in God he learned to say I will fast try me test me I trust in the commandments of God It will be disappointing if we do not trust that in the work of God that can he do through us through fasting and prayer. If I start my fast, I want to start a fast in which I trust in God with all my heart. And God willing, Kedah, next week, we'll see what happens with the young, with the Daniel and the three young children, and glory be to God forever and ever.